Hello and welcome. I'm the natural boy, Damien Gibson, and this is WrestleWolf's review of Impact Rebellion 2021. Um, we don't do a lot of impact reviews on the on the channel, mainly because of a lack of resources, rather than um, a lack of want. Uh, Matt and I both really like impact. Matt made impact uh, his um, promotion of the year last year, so we hold them in very high esteem. And uh, I just thought this pay per view was important enough to um, document, you know, if not for you guys, for ourselves at the very least. Um, I know it's a little bit late. I, I've, I had put up a uh, sort of muffled audio quality version of this previously. So I, um, this is take two, just a, um, a peek behind the curtains. For anyone who's a subscriber or whatever and, and those problems keep coming up, um, it's just a new platform that we're using and there are times where our defaults uh, are being reset um, so the de- the default like mics and cameras and stuff that we use are being reset um, usually because of internet connections. So like the page will reload and then everything gets reset and we forget to, to check it before we start recording. So, um, yeah, that's why you'll have, you know, we've had some podcasts recently where it sounds like it's being recorded through a webcam mic. That's because it was. Um, so uh, apologize for that. That's why I'm doing the second one of these because you guys are supporting us really well and you deserve better. So anyway, let's go through the recap first and then uh, the review portion we'll do second as always. Uh, first up, we had the X Division uh, title match between TJP, ASOS and Josh Alexander with Josh Alexander getting uh, what I think most people would um, mark down as a surprise win. Uh, Eight-man tag team match. Uh where a surprise entrant, uh, Morrissey, a.k.a. Big Cass, got the win for Violent by Design. Uh, Matt Cordona versus Brian Myers. Brian Myers got the win in that one, uh, in that blood feud. Tony Khan and Scott uh, then uh, cut a promo where they decided there'd be two refs in the main event, which was somewhat of a swerve. Uh, the women's tag team match between Fire and Flavor Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace, the returning Rachel Ellering, uh, was won by Ellering and, and Grace. Uh, Semi Callahan and Trey Mal- Miguel, Trey Miguel won this one. Uh, Rich Swan cut a really great babyface promo, um, basically in which he said that, uh, you know, he's the underdog, but he's always been the underdog and that he was there to represent his Impact family this evening and that Kenny Omega should look out. Uh, Finjuice versus the Good Brothers. Finjuice retain him, which uh, was really surprising for me, but good. Uh, good. <laughs> uh, Deanna Perezzo versus Tineel Dashwood. Uh, Perezzo retains here. I was a little disappointed that Tineel didn't get the, the W, but uh, Deanna's doing good work anyway. Uh, and then we had uh, Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega. Uh, for the AEW and Impact, or Impact and TNL, TNA belts, uh, with Kenny Omega getting the win in this one. Um, I'll just go through the card really quickly. I like ASOS, like uh, I like Ace Austin's. Uh, let me start that again. I like Ace Austin, and I like his card gimmick. Uh, the paper cut through the on the you know the webbing of people's fingers and feet. I think that's great. 
The commentary on this pay-per-view was fantastic. Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown have been doing a fantastic job since they took over. I think it was December, January. Um, I think they're the best commentary team in North America. And uh, I think it, most other promotions could do a really good job of or could do well by just listening to what they do. They put, <clears throat> excuse me, they put every match on the card over. They don't try to get themselves over. I mean, Matt Stryker can be a little bit Matt Stryker at times, uh, but I don't mind that. You know, you want the commentators to have some sort of personality, but um, ultimately their job is to put the matches over, and they do that. They don't make snide comments about things that they think, you know, Jim Cornette will tease them about, not looking at anyone in particular, Jim Ross. Um, they're not automatons. Like WWE, and I understand. I understand that's not their fault in WWE, but uh, it's just nice and refreshing to hear an old school two person commentary team putting the talent over. It's not hard. Um, I mean, it is very hard to do, but the the direction is not hard. <laughs> you know, put the guys over. Uh, there was some good tech rope and mat wrestling in this first match. Um, I just thought it was a bit short. I was surprised that Ace Austin lost the belt this quickly, but hopefully that means he's moving up the card. Um, and it's nice to see Josh Alexander get get a belt. Um, the eight-man tag match, uh, the replacement for Eric Young, as I already said, was Morrissey, a.k.a. Big Cass. I think, um, I think this is a good signing for both parties. I think it's great for Big Cass that he is uh, back on a... A world stage, albeit a uh, smaller one, but it's still, you know, he's back out there. He seems to have got his shit together with the help of DDP. I've, I've just seen, well, I mean, he said that and I've seen, I followed DDP on Instagram. Big Cass sort of kept showing up on Morrissey now, as, as he's called. Um, I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good place uh, to make a, a low-key-ish uh, return. Um, and then just sort of learn the craft properly. Um, you know, if he wants to be, uh, if he wants to be a title holder, he probably needs to learn how to work a bit better in the ring, which is something that Matt and I don't, we try not to talk about too much because it's not, you know, we usually try and break things down from a story point of view, uh, and whether things work story-wise or not, because we're both one of us has been a writer, the other one is beginning to be a writer. So that's kind of where we try and come from and just being fans. So we try not to, you know, be like, oh, well, that Hurricane Rana was off because what the fuck do we know? <laughs> um, but there are times where it's noticeable and, and big, I, I, you know, big Cass's in ring work is not what he's known for. He's known for being seven foot tall and not being able to be taught that. Uh, so... Yeah, I think this is great. I think it's good for impact as well. You get a bigger guy on the roster, fills out their roster a bit. Um, you know, this is the kind of signing that NWA should be going after. <laughs> um, but I will talk about NWA on the NWA show, which will be the next show in the feed. So subscribe and you'll get all of them. Um, Matt Striker Smith's references were, were spot on. D'Lo Brown uh, quoting The Cure. Bow, bow. Uh, <laughs> I've always been impressed with Willie Mack and everything I've ever seen him in. And this was another one of those things where it's like, man, he's great. He's just really, um, I don't know, he's just cat, cat and descent, 
you know, he just lights the ring up and you notice him and, um, yeah, I, I just hope he doesn't uh, – it's very hard to say this, you know, it's an impact review show, so I don't want to be too dismissive of impact. Um, but you just don't want to see him on the mid-card of a promotion that isn't being as watched as much as it should. Um, but anyway, uh, Matt Cordona versus Brian Myers. I I think I've been on the record a couple of times that so I haven't enjoyed the build-up to this only because the story has not made sense. Um, Brian Myers was in Impact first, then Cordona showed up. There was a big surprise, and, and Brian Myers immediately was like, what are you doing here? I hate you. And if you're a Mark, and pretty much everyone who's watching Impact is, we all know that you guys have been best friends for 20 years. <laughs> uh, we know that you run a business together. You do like 17 podcasts a week together. So there needed to be something a bit more believable than I'm unhappy that you're here. When we all know watching as an audience, the likelihood is they're going to, you know, if they were on the road, they'd be driving together to the next town, you know. Um, it. it in this match, things happened that has probably made the the feud a bit more believable, and I think that's good because I think these guys can do really good work together, and I'm sure they'll that they themselves would be loving the opportunity to work together in a singles feud. Um, the story there just needed to be a couple more building blocks in the story. You know, like why is Brian Myers upset? You know, there's been a couple of half-hearted things of like, you know, I'm trying to strike out on my own and then you appear and steal all my limelight. It's like, well, dude, that's not happening. And no one, you know, it, the, this is probably an occasion where the story needs to be a bit more obvious. You know, I'm usually asking for less of that in wrestling, but this is probably a situation where just to start the story off, you have very basic, like, Matt Cordona does steal Brian Myers' spot. You know, I mean, they kind of tried to do that in the pay-per-view. It just didn't come across. Um, but in this match, I don't know whether Matt Cardona sold a knee injury amazingly well or he actually did hurt himself and they carried on. Either way, kudos to both the guys, uh, to to Brian and Matt in this match. Fantastic stuff. And, and Brian Myers taking advantage of Cardona and getting the win when it looked really bad. Like, uh, you know, they – either way, they did it. They – They've either swerved me or, you know, they powered on bravely. And, uh, yeah, I actually kind of keen to see what happens with these guys now. Um, Tony Khan and, and Scott, uh, Scott Impact doing a um, a promo together was just good stuff. Tony, TK's Impact character is great. <laughs> the arrogant you know, looking down his nose at his little brother kind of thing. Um, I liked how he had his AEW entourage here. Uh, it was just good stuff. Uh, the women's tag team match, Ellering looks like another good signing for Impact. There were a couple that showed up in on this pay-per-view. Um, there was something that uh, I noticed in this match, and it happened in a couple of other matches as well, and it's not just Impact where this happens. It is more than two people in the ring in a tag match for really long periods of time um, just so we can have, you know, a chain of of exciting spots. 
you know, if you're, I don't, it just, it doesn't work for me. It takes me out of it because I'm starting to know it's like, well, hang on, who who's the legal man or who's the legal woman, you know? Um, I know, yeah, anyway, I was about to go on a JR rant then and no one needs that. Uh, it just needs to stop happening. You can use the referee and the rules as, um, you know, as a as a skeleton for stories. I think a lot of wrestlers uh, of this generation seem to see it as a as a hindrance. You know, like oh god, if the rules weren't there, um, we'd be able to do A, B, C, D, uh, and that would be cool. I'm like, yeah, well, it would be cool, but you if you if you start chipping away at any believability, you know, I mean, there seems to be this attitude of like, oh, well, kayfabe's broken now, so it doesn't matter. We can do what we want. And that I just don't think that's right. I mean, people keep asking themselves why less and less people are watching wrestling all the time. And I, th- I think it's things like this because you need to have – it needs to be grounded in some reality, right? Like for all for us, we'll go along for the ride because we're here. We love wrestling. So we'll suspend our disbelief. That gets hung up on the coat rack as we walk into the venue. But for the average person, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna use their imagination to 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 jump uh from like to make the leap of oh, well, there's six people in the ring and the referee is just kind of going, oh, come on, guys, please get out of the ring rather than DQing all of them. Um, One, we've probably been trained a little bit to just deal with that, you know, because it's like, oh, well, you know, shut up. The young bucks are doing cool stuff. (laughs) Um, But you've you've only got to look at what's been the most popular superhero franchise in the last 20 years in the dark night um and it was all grounded in reality that's one of the reasons why i wasn't you know i love i do love those movies but you know i actually want complete (laughs) fantasy when i'm watching superhero stuff like but i suppose with batman anyway people won't make that leap for you you know what i mean they just won't and um I just, you know, I just saw that a bit in this pay-per-view. It was one of the few small things that detracted from the pay-per-view for me. But I think it's a bigger issue that all of us as an industry and, and a fandom need to talk about and, and talk about reasonably. Like, you know, there seems to be something we're almost incapable of doing as wrestling fans. We, we're almost our worst enemy because we spend all of our time talking about how terrible everything is and then... You know, I feel like that's a, all anyone ever sees on social media. It's like, oh, well, this is shit and that's shit and, God, this is terrible and WWE and Raw's the worst it's ever been, blah, blah, blah. And that, all of those things are, you know, I mean, Raw is very bad at the moment. But how do we resolve these things? I think that's the next step. That's the next step in the conversation we all need to have. Anyway. Uh, Sammy Callahan versus Trey Miguel. This was a bit tame for a Sammy Callahan match, especially the last couple of matches he's had on pay-per-view. Uh, still good, still enjoyable. They're big on Trey Miguel at Impact. They seem to think that he's a future star. And, um, you know, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be. 
I just didn't think this match. I mean, you know, Callahan put him over. There was one spot in particular where Miguel looked like he was broken in half that was very spectacular and very well done. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe the magnitude of the main event in this pay-per-view kind of was a bit of a vortex to everything else on on the card. It was, as usual with Impact, it was all very good, you know, like a, a solid three-star out of five uh, sort of thing. Um but I think for myself, and I think maybe a lot of other people would have been in the same boat, that, you know, you just wanted to see Kenny versus Richland. Uh, the other match I was really excited about was Finn Juice versus the Good Brothers, and, and this was a bit disappointing considering the four guys in the ring. Um, I think what impact is missing now with the... With the um, with the roster that they have, is a crowd. If you could get a good 1,000, 1,500 people in a studio watching those guys or in a, a you know a smallish, uh, small to medium venue watching a show like this, I think people, you know, that would really give Impact the even bigger kick that it needs. And, like, you know, that's maybe the biggest duh statement of all time. It's like, oh, it would be good if wrestling was in front of fans again. Um, but I think Impact in particular, uh, I just think a match like this maybe would have uh, increased the effort levels of everyone involved. It just kind of felt like the guys were going through the motions, you know. It's like, oh, well, we'll just put a C, C-plus match out there um, and uh, and that'll be fine. And it was fine, but it was a bit disappointing. I'm glad that Finn Juice is sticking around and doing more stuff in Impact. I want to see more crossover from all of the promotions. So um, if Finn Juice had lost this and just gone back to Japan, I think it would have been a bit of a missed opportunity because we're so close to having fans coming to watch. Um, those crossovers are going to be – I can't wait to see the pops that happen when they start to happen in front of live crowds. Uh, Diana Perezzo beating Tenille Dashwood. Um, Perezzo retains, and that's that's great. They're gonna they're building her as like a, a big big women's champion. And I think that's probably correct. Uh, I don't know about a little faction. The storylines have been okay with that, but um, there seems to be a lot of people at ringside for all matches these days, and I just think we could probably cut back from that a little bit as well. Um, uh, unless unless you're a heel, unless you're a Arsehole here. Anyway, and and also like I really liked Neil Dashwood, and I would have liked to have seen her win the belt. So maybe I'm being a bit sour here, but um, it was good. It was a good match. They beat the shit out of each other, um, and I don't really have anything bad to say about the booking in particular. I think it was more just that my girl didn't win, so I'm a bit sulky. <laughs> uh, and then we come to the main event: Rich Bond versus Kenny Omega. This felt. I mean, after um, uh, after the Invisible Hands, uh, Don Callis's uh, promo earlier in, in the night, uh, which was literally goosebumpily, you know, it, it was fantastically well done. This felt like a massive match by the time we got to it. Um, it's amazing how into a wrestling match you can be when you believe in the story behind it. 
you know, like you believe the two characters, you believe that Rich Swan is going to give everything that he has. You believe that Kenny Omega is this arrogant, you know, dipshit of a human being, but is also probably the best wrestler in the world. And that's the other thing as well. Like it was only, only six months ago that myself and Matt and every other, you know, expert, I put that in inverted commas, on earth was talking about like, What's wrong with Kenny Omega? What's going on with Kenny Omega? His American run has been disappointing. Well, Jesus Christ. I mean, and and it again, it's it it really is a great example of what can happen when the right booking story is given to the right person and you know, they couldn't have booked Kenny like this from the outset because if they did, the backlash would have been too much. So I think this has actually been – I think the booking of Kenny Omega in hindsight has been almost perfect, as usual with TK and the Elite. <laughs> Their booking's always pretty spot on. Um, I thought we were going to get an Aubrey Edwards like heel turn in this match and we did not. She uh, snatched a chair out of Kenny Omega's hands halfway through the match uh, and I was very relieved. Because I don't want to see, I didn't want to see any of that kind of gaga bullshit determine this match. You know, like uh, Kenny Omega can be a dickhead outside of the ring. He can do slightly heelish stuff. You know, I mean, the, he he did very heely stuff to to beat John Moxley. But now that we're starting to build him as best bout machine, the best wrestler in the world, all that kind of thing, he has to win clean. You know. Um, and he did this. I think the I really liked Kenny being the dominant force in the second half of this match. And I think if you were to have a real fight between these guys, these guys, uh, that's how this would play out. That Rich Swan would be all heart and and take it to Kenny for the first half of the match, and then Kenny would just slowly grind Rich into the dirt. And that's what happened. The amount of V triggers that are in this match, and again. Mr. Moro Ronaldo's on on commentary now with uh, Matt Stryker and and D'Lo Brown, and it was just a fair. They all worked very well together, and uh, and they sold it. You know, Mr. Moro is talking about how this is hard to watch. It's hard to watch. You know, like at the end of the match, it was like it was actually a bit hard to watch Kenny Omega pull that many V triggers on Rich Swan. You know. And then that gets put in your head of like, oh, yeah, it was a bit, was it? So then you walk away from the match going, yeah, it was a bit violent. Jesus Christ, Kenny Omega was it? just great. Just stuff that, you know, just basic shit that gets overlooked quite a bit in a lot of different wrestling promotions. And, um, you know, that's why you walk away from things like this going, well, that was brilliant. It was really well done. Um, you know, Swan was the all-heart babyface. Kept getting up right till the end. He doesn't lose anything in this. This also, this could be the making of Rich Swan. Um, I know that sounds like a bizarre thing to say, saying he's just lost two <laughs> heavyweight belts to Kenny Omega, but uh, a lot more people will either have heard of Rich Swan now or be like, oh, Rich Swan, you know, who are WWE people or. Um, we'll have a better opinion of him because of the match that the guys put on. This was a very, very good wrestling match. But more importantly, the story that it told was very, very good. And and thankfully, the right booking um, 
happened in the end because uh, I think Matt and I both are just general worriers as uh, that's our natural personality types and uh, we were worried that this would just have like a screwy finish and a kind of nothing ending especially considering how little effort aw put into promoting the match um on dynamo which it must be something coming from tnt that's stopping them from doing that because the fact that there were so many aw people on the pay-per-view it's obvious that they have no problem with impact and want to help impact so i think it must be pressure coming from tnt uh that's not overly helpful probably some dudes in suits are like well why would we promote another wrestling show on a different channel not realizing that this is all wrestling fans want at the moment (laughs) is the forbidden door um but we don't make it easy for ourselves because we're quite uh insular and inclusive uh exclusive sorry at times and uh that doesn't help anyone but all in all i thought this was a great pay-per-view um i would give it a b uh maybe even maybe even a b plus maybe yeah i think a b b b b plus um ah b plus fuck it i'll give it a b plus um, it was just well, it's just a good, solid pay per view, and then the last match was fantastic, and um, you know, it makes me want to watch more Impact and and do more Impact stuff on the channel. So um, you know, if you're an Impact fan and you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you want more, if you want to hear more Impact stuff, tell your friends to come download this episode, and and Matt and I'll get the picture, and we'll do more Impact stuff. Uh, there's a few things that we're doing at the moment that I'm finding very hard to find the motivation to do weekly. Um, the NWA power shows at the moment are not great. So, um, yeah, just let us know. Reach out to us on on the socials or whatever. You can follow us on the socials. We're WrestleWolf Pod. Tell your friends, rate and review, all that kind of uh, – well, rate and review. But, yeah, share it around, retweet, share on Facebook. Um, you know, like us on and follow us on on Instagram, and uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm going to le- leave it there. Um, we will talk to you guys later on the week. You guys, uh, NWA Power Show coming up. Uh, we've got the AEW Dynamite discussion. Um, our breakdown of the WCW Great American Bash 1996. This is the last pay per view without the NWO. So will Matt and I enjoy it? Probably not. But will it be funny? Yes, it definitely will be. So you should tune in and uh, listen to us break that down. Um, And also our ECW uh, show for April 1995 will be out in the next uh, tomorrow. It'll be out tomorrow. So... um, But if you subscribe, really, ultimately, the best thing to do is just subscribe and you get all of these shows for free, for free. I mean, we do five different shows, guys, um, and you get them all for free. And all you got to do is just hit that subscribe button, baby. That's it. Auto download if you like. If you don't have the data for that, don't worry about it. But if you've got unlimited data, auto download, boom, five shows a week for nothing. All right. I'm going to leave that there. Thank you for your support, brother friends. And until next time, remember, Pepe is dead.